Hello and welcome to the MES Sports Podcast. This is the Monday, January 24th episode, and I'm joined by John. How are we doing, John? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing good. So the divisional rounds are over, and we are looking ahead to the AFC and NFC championships. What did you think, really quick, like, what did you think about the, the games that were the divisional round, and what do you think, um... Are we going to do picks for the AFC NFC Championship this week? Yes. Or are we waiting until next week? Uh, we'll do them this week. All right, so let's do that too. So do the recap and then give us your picks. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so uh, I think the re- pick, uh, recap kind of blends in with the picks, so I kind of do what we've been doing the last few episodes. Um, I think one of the things, the games you probably should start with, because it's kind of hard to pick one game to start with. All the games were excellent. But let's start with the Bengals in the Tennessee Titans game. And the fact that Joe Burrow was sacked nine times uh, in that game and the pressure was so good by the Tennessee Titans and the fact that the Tennessee Titans still lost that game is just kind of surprising. You would think that if a quarterback was sacked nine times, uh, the offense really could not do much of anything. But really, if you look at it, only Joe Burrow, he was sacked, obviously, but Jamar Chase was the only guy that was actually doing anything that was any help to the to the offense and getting them kind of kick-started. He had like two or three really big plays, but those plays were at such key times that led to points over and over again. And then that last play that he had uh, tiptoeing down the sideline that ended up uh, leading to the, um, to the uh, field goal that ended up winning the game, which I was hoping would be in Tennessee Titans' favor. Uh, and, and, but the, the Bengals were able to squeak through, which I think was surprising probably to a lot of people simply mm-hmm. because I think a lot of people expected the off or the defensive line, um, for the, the Tennessee Titans to be able to kind of steamroll into the, um, to the backfield of the, uh, of the Bengals and kind of get things to kind of stall out there. And for the most part, they did a decent job there. Yes. Mixon had a couple of big runs, but everything was kept relatively in check. The issue really came this is something we addressed on Friday, um, where we talked about the the Bengals need, or the the Titans need to put some guys safeties back there, maybe play Robert defense, something like that, to prohibit um, uh, Jamar Chase from uh, going across the field and getting open, and then to making a big play where there's no help in the back. And that's something that they didn't really end up doing at all. And then we saw Jamar Chase be able to r- rip off huge runs and huge pass plays, where, like I said, led to points. And then and and so I think that was really just a mistake. Um, by the Tennessee Titans uh, defensively that I really didn't expect them to make. I thought, I mean, they always obviously watch a lot of film. Maybe they saw something that I didn't see in the games that I watched or or what, you ha- what have you. But they, I think they were trying to get after Joe Burrow and see if they could stop things that way and then hope guys could come and make a tackle. But that really didn't end up materializing in any way that really mattered. And therefore, things started to stall out a little bit and kind of fizzle out, and that's exactly why... Um, the, the, the Bengals ended up winning, but, um, I think had Jamar Chase, been shut down a little bit better, I don't really think, um, that this, uh, Cincinnati team would have been able to score that obviously would not been able to score that final field goal. But also I don't think the points would have come, uh, for this team and Tennessee Titans could have won this more handily. The other issue that Tennessee had, which might be even more important to mention than, um, than the defensive struggles is uh, offensively, Derrick Henry just didn't look like the same Derrick Henry. Yes, he was able to make some decent plays, but he's not able to like, mow people over as we're growing accustomed to, weaken the defense a little bit. Things like that never really happened, and I think it has a lot to do with the foot injury and getting back to health. I think there's a little bit of an issue there. Um, I don't think he was like 100% 
Um, obviously, you're not going to be 100% when there's plate, uh, metal plate in your foot. So there's that also to take into account. And so there's really not that play action pass or the run opening up the uh, th- uh, passing game. That really never ended up happening for him. And so Ryan Tannehill, Tannehill had to take a lot more onto his plate. And I think sometimes that pressure might have gone to his head as he threw three interceptions, which is probably the most um, detrimental part of the entire game for the Tennessee Titans. You can't throw three interceptions. You especially can't do it the first play out of the gate um, as he threw that first interception. Really, he shouldn't have just held eight the, the, the sack or just throw the ball away. He should not have forced it to that little tight window and also put on the outside shoulder of the wide receiver to give him a chance to make the play of the ball and not the defensive play, which is exactly what did not happen, and that's the issue. Um, and the story of that game, I think it was he tried to force things and make things happen that he really should not have. Um, he had some good plays, but those turnovers really are what rings um, rings in the ears of that game. Kind of what what echoes, I guess, you could say out of that game. And I get variable. not going to call one guy out in front of the media and all that. But there's obviously some things to address offensively. Um, as far as Ryan Tannehill is concerned, you got to do a better job of being conservative with the football. Because if they had been, they would have been able to um, march the field, maybe even take it to overtime. Um, in that game, but I said they throw the interception, which then lead to the Jamar Chase play, which then lead to the field goal. So it was just a chain reaction in that way. Um, and I expected uh, Tennessee to win. I thought Derrick Henry would be a little bit more uh, of a of a game wrecker, just a little bit. I thought he would be able to do a little bit more. Um, we saw a little bit more of Julio Jones and kind of coming into his own a little bit there. He made some good plays, got involved often early and often, which was good. Um, but I just think there was a couple of key mistakes. That added up to huge mistakes. Um, had they just shut down Jam- uh, Joe Burrow, shut down Jamar Chase, those mistakes defensive or offensively for Tennessee would not have mattered. Um, or if the if the Tennessee Titans had the sacks as they did, and Ryan Tannehill didn't make the mistakes with the football, um, those mistakes could also have um, not. Uh, kind of balance themselves out as far as uh, Jamar Chase making those big plays. So there's a lot of variables to the fix. It's an NFL game. There's going to be mistakes. Um, Tennessee obviously has been struggling getting past this point in the playoffs, um, getting eliminated by Baltimore last season and now having a bye week and then also getting eliminated. So maybe there's something to say about playing that first round of the playoffs and not just getting a bye week. Maybe that's more helpful for teams to make sure they've gone through a little bit of something before they get to the second round um, to strengthen them. Um, so I think this is, uh, that's kind of the key points from that game. But So the, the Bengals will be playing the Chiefs, so I think we should bounce over the Chiefs game next just to keep things flowing in that direction. Then I think this game was probably the game that everyone's looking at and saying this was the best game, um, a lot of fun to watch. Uh, I mean, I get it in a lot of ways, but... I think there's games that are more impactful for what's going to happen as um, as NFL as a whole than this game. But uh, I think if you look at just break down this game, um, starting with the Chiefs defensively, um, it was kind of inconsistent, to say the least, uh, as far as the Chiefs' ability to um, stop the Bills. Sometimes at the first possession, they did a terrible job stopping the Bills. They just marched on the field, end up scoring the touchdown. Really couldn't do much of anything. And that kind of continued in some ways. But like I mentioned, it's really inconsistent. So it's not really a way for me 
to sit here right now and and say this is the chunk of the game that was really consistent this was the chunk of the game that was really inconsistent you just saw sometimes where the players were tripping each other grabbing onto each other and just yanking the other guy down prohibiting them from making a play other times players were just getting juked and then falling over other times where josh allen was just running them over and they really couldn't make a tackle sometimes they were having great defense and were able to break up the pass and play closer to their guy to make sure things kind of stabilize sometimes they were um Sacky Josh Allen. Sometimes they were letting him run them over. Sometimes they were making a play and stopping him. Just a wide variety of defensive plays, good and bad. So I don't think that's. I think that's why we such saw such a high scoring game. And that's something I thought was going to end up happening. Is I thought that this was going to be end up being a shootout type performance um, uh, for for this type of because it just seemed that way. Because normally these teams play. That's kind of how things um, kind of end up being. But it's, it's really where the Chiefs shine is offensively. And I think that's where we're going to spend the meat of the time is offensively in this game because that's where uh, I think that's where most people kind of look at things. And I think especially um, in this game, uh, the, the Chiefs were doing a really great job of not being the same Chiefs that we are accustomed to seeing. And what I mean by that is normally we see Chiefs and we're expecting the big um, big play that's going to blow the top off the defense. Um, and they're the deep play, which is like a, a deep bomb by Patrick Mahomes to Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey or Hardman. Um, and then they make guys miss and get a touchdown. That's what you normally expect from a Chiefs team. This time, it was a much more conservative attack, which was really smart because Patrick Mahomes is like, I'm not going to turn over this football because one turnover can cost you everything. So he was making the smart plays with the football. He wasn't forcing anything. If the guy was open, he would get it to him and let them make a play. And what that was doing is it was making methodical drives that took time, that allowed no turnovers, that allowed him to be able to, uh, to um, go through his progressions, his reads, and then make sure he could get to the right guy. And then the Chiefs offensively, their playmakers, used that, that completion and made guys miss, slipped out of tackles, turned on the Jets, got touchdowns, did everything they need, expected them to do and needed them to do to get the first downs, get the touchdowns, make the plays that were necessary, and end up marching down the field and scoring um, the correct amount of touchdowns. I think, I think if, and I think, and honestly, that last drive, which everyone's talking about, that 13 second drive um, for the Chiefs, was one of those things that I, when I was watching it live, I did not expect the Chiefs to be able to do that. That's really impressive stuff by Patrick Mahomes to be able to lead the offense the way he did, make the plays the way he did. And a new information, a little bit of a, a detail in there, is Travis Kelsey on that play where he got into field goal range, ran something completely different than what he was supposed to. And uh, Patrick Mahomes and him made that decision to split second, and it worked. And they got into field goal range, kicked the field goal, got into overtime. And that's something that this will be said about the Chiefs is their ability to go through – Things in their head and make decisions quickly. Get it to their playmakers. The playmakers make plays. They're very smart with the football, and they're not the same team that you would really expect. Like they're they're more of this kind of backyard NFL combo team, where they'll do stuff that's not normal and not really supposed to happen in the NFL, but they'll do it at a high enough level, and that's where the NFL part comes in to make it work and work against really good defenses. And that's that's the beauty of the Kansas City Chiefs. And because of that, they open up run games, the run game, which then turns into even bigger plays. And that's just a gigantic snowball that's just rolling downhill very quickly. Um, and I think it's just one of those things that 
I mean, before we go into that game, I want to circle back for a sec because I think the Buffalo Bills um, did a great job in this game making the Kansas City Chiefs struggle. They really did a great job of doing a bunch of different um, situations and game plans to make it so that the Kansas City had to keep guessing what they're going to do. Even if they're able to stop um, um, uh, Josh Allen from being able to run the football, he's going to pass and he's going to burn you deep. And that was really what was happening, especially at the late game, is Kansas City didn't really know what to expect. And these guys are making great cuts and great jukes and getting in the end zone really with no problem. And the point I'm making by saying this, I know they're not making it to the next round, is Buffalo, ba- B- Buffalo fans have a lot to be excited for. Um, as as time goes along, um, Josh Allen is an absolute stud in this in the league. He's just going to keep getting better. Uh, his playmakers and him are getting more comfortable together. They've got a great offense, uh, great defense, and it's just going to continue to get better. And I believe they're going to break through this barricade that they've been struggling to get through in the playoff round and make it to the Super Bowl very soon. Um, so I just wanted to give Buffalo fans that uh, that encouragement there because I think they're definitely on the precipice of something great. Um, and then for the uh, the pick for the Cincinnati um, Chiefs game, I think those points that I was making here is this. Um, if you want to look at the keys to success, I broke down both of those games to be able to talk about this. So um, if you remember, I was talking about uh, Cincinnati. If uh, if the Tennessee Titans were able to um, get the sacks and stop Jamar Chase, that's success. If they're able to not make the mistakes and sack Joe Burrow, that's a success. And I think they would outweigh the bad. So... And then for the Chiefs, I was talking about how the defense is super inconsistent. Sometimes they're good, sometimes they're bad, sometimes they're able to get, sometimes they're not, sometimes they're getting beat over top. The quarterbacks have some inconsistencies, sometimes they're great. All that is to say is the Chiefs have to get after Joe Burrow quick, often, and as and as soon as possible, right out of the starting gate. If the Cincinnati Bengals have the ball, we need to see a sack on the first play of the game, just to set the momentum, get the get things going, get things kind of moving, snowball a little bit. Because if they get to Joe Burrow, I believe that this team can win against Cincinnati. Um, I think one of the things that they have to do is get to him because they don't want their secondary to make a mistake where Jamar Chase could burn him like they did when they played not too long ago, maybe two or three weeks ago at this point, maybe four. Um, uh, in in I think it was Incense? No, no, is it at the Chiefs Stadium um, where they were able to get Jamar Chase involved early and often and end up be- beating the Chiefs by like um, three points. So they've got to get after Joe Burrow to see if they can stop things from happening. Also, when they get to Joe Burrow, they, the, the run game has to start happening. So they're going to have to be careful to also make sure the front, um, that front seven is stout enough to make sure that there's no holes, no leakage, um, to make sure that Joe, uh, Joe, uh, Joe Mixon and company can't make really big plays. And, and just because cause just because you get it to the quarterback doesn't mean you're going to be able to stop the run game. So they can't let the run game also blow them open wide because – like I mentioned, the the Chiefs had some mixed success starting the run for uh, this Bills team. Obviously, they don't have the same quarterback if you're the the, the Bengals like Josh Allen is. So, the, but they still have a running back who can definitely make you pay if you make a mistake. So they've got to be careful to make sure everything is locked out, locked up immediately as soon as the play starts. Because if they let things happen and they let Joe Mixon get involved and put his fingerprint into the game, what happens is. Now, Kansas City has to be thinking about, oh, now look, there's a run game involved. There's a run game involved. We have to be careful of that. And then they start, maybe they start being a little bit more cautious and don't get after the quarterback as often, which is going to open up the passing game. And the passing game opens up, 
now they're a fully dimensional, uh, two-dimensional um, monster that can absolutely destroy you in many different ways. They've got to be careful, and they need to stop Joe Burrow and stop the run game immediately because the Tennessee Titans did that really well where they stopped Joe Mixon from doing pretty much anything. You really didn't hear his name a whole lot during that broadcast, and you look at it, they only lost by three points, and those three points really happened because of mistakes by themselves. Tennessee Titans shooting themselves to the foot. So if Kansas City is able to stop and do the same thing after Joe Burrow, then you have to hope that they start playing, like I mentioned, for Tennessee needed to do. They need to play two safeties back to make sure they could cut things off uh, before they even begin because Jamar Chase is slippery. He's hard to catch, and when he's open field, he's impossible to run down. So you can't let him get to full speed, uh, and especially you can't let him have open grass in front of him. There has to be someone in front of him to stop him and corral him in. Also, Tennessee Titans made this mistake of launching two guys at him at one time, and then there's no one there for like 20 yards. Don't do that. Make sure one guy goes in, and then you come in to try to clean things up, make him stumble a little bit. Make sure both guys don't come on top of each other because then there's some mistakes that could be made there. So they really got to work on. I think the defense is really where Kansas City is either going to rise or they're going to fall in this game. Um, and like I mentioned, they've got to get to Joe Burrow because if they get to Joe Burrow, it's going to uh, shut a lot of things down uh, for the Cincinnati team. And I believe they could have a better result or similar result to what um, to what the Tennessee Titans had because I believe this this defensive line for the um, uh, for the Chiefs might be even a little bit better than the Tennessee Titans one. So I believe they can get through and get as many sacks as possible. Obviously, the Bengals are going to be aware of that and work on them, but I'll talk about the Bengals in a second before I move to them. I want to balance into the uh, offense of the, of the Chiefs. And I want to talk about the fact that do exactly what you were doing uh, offensively for the Chiefs. Make the right plays. Don't make the flashy plays. Make the right plays. Because when you're making the right plays, you're winning the football game. If you just kind of methodically move down the field, you're making the small plays. We saw that these playmakers can turn small plays into 20, 30-yard and even touchdown plays. So get in your hands of your playmakers, but don't force it because Kansas City cannot afford to have turnovers. Yes, this is a little bit of a worse team than Buffalo is, so maybe you could afford to have one small slip-up, but just don't let it happen because it ha- what, it, what it does is it affects the mindset of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs is we just turn the ball over. Now we're in a bad situation. We're putting pressure on the defense, who is our liability in this game. We can't let that happen. we got to bail them out as early and as often as possible make sure uh, Joe Burrow has the ball for the, le- the le- least amount of time as possible. And so they can just try to win this game. Um, so I have to say this, this strategy has to be pretty similar to what you did against the Bills. The small plays let that things happen the way they're going to happen. Um, I think that's what the, in a nutshell, what the Kansas City Chiefs have to do. If you're the, the Cincinnati Bengals, though, um, I was thinking about this. I don't really know exactly how you could beat this Kansas City Chiefs team. They're so good in so many areas in so many ways that you can't really just put a um, – you can't man-be-man them very well and, and have success. You can't play uh, zone defense and have success. Maybe you could try to blitz him and hurry him up a little bit if you're uh, if you're the Bengals to try to hurt Patchy Mahomes, but then they could just hand the ball off on a delayed handoff and have holes and gaps and be able to run straight through your defense. So you're kind of stuck a little bit if you're if you're Cincinnati and as far as the game plan is concerned to how to stop Patchy Mahomes. And I just don't think I think they're talented. On defense, obviously, we saw them uh, get to Tannehill a little bit, stop Derrick Henry. So they're obviously talented, but there's talented and then there's super talented. And I think 
the Chiefs fall into the super talented category offensively. So I don't really know exactly how you're supposed to guard these guys in any way that means anything. Because you're playing zone, they'll find the gaps in the zone. He'll dump it off to him. He's turning the Jets on in probably a touchdown or a, a, a good chunk of yards that is going to be near impossible to stop. And then you could also have it where you play man and you're getting burned. Be, or uh, maybe you could stop him. Maybe you can... Uh, bring him down for a short game, but there's no way you're really going to be able to go uh, yard for yard with these guys. So they've got to figure out what works really, really well and use that. But I think it's also one of those things where it's going to have to adapt and change during game day. You can't just go into the same stuff that you did at practice because this team isn't the same team you'll be facing at practice. And this atmosphere is not going to be the same that you're facing at practice. So you have to be willing to adapt and change to be able to win against this team. And then um, offensively for Cincinnati, like I mentioned, get Jamar Chase early, op- uh, in the uh, get Jamar Chase going as soon as possible. Get the ball out of your hand if you're Joe Burrow quickly. Just get it, either Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase. It doesn't matter. Just make sure he's not holding onto the football for very long, because then that will prohibit um, the the Chiefs from being able to get get to you and influence a certain play very quickly. Also, establish a run game. See what type of Chiefs defense you're going to get in the run game. See if you can uh, make things happen and stop them uh, very efficiently. If you can do that, that's going to be a big positive for you. you got to make sure your uh, running game starts because we've seen Chiefs team that has a really good run defense and not so great run defense. So I would recommend getting that started as well. Um, but as far as a pick is concerned, uh, as far as picking this game, I think I feel relatively comfortable picking the Chiefs. I think a lot of people are going to pick the Chiefs. You might see if some uh, analysts here and there are picking the, the, the Bengals as that dark horse candidate. But I, I think a lot of people are going to feel comfortable, and some am I going to be, feel comfortable picking the Chiefs here. I think Chiefs by... Now, I, I want to say seven, but I'm like, well, the last all most of those games last night and on Saturday turned out to be three-point ball games, so should that change anything? I don't think so. I think, that, I think the uh, Chiefs are... Uh, a better team. So I think seven points is not unrealistic uh, for this um, this Chiefs team to win by. And then the other game, because there's another game to cover, um, the, um, the, the not the Green Bay. I want to say Green Bay Packers because I'm expecting the Green Bay Packers to make it in. That's a different discussion, which we'll cover. Uh, but it's the 49ers and the Rams. So let's start with the, 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 the Tampa Bay game because I think that game is kind of the more surprising of the of the two. I think Green Bay is also a little bit surprising, but I think it was more surprising to see uh, for a lot of people to see the Bucks get thrown out like that because they have Tom Brady on their team and Tom Brady equals wins nine times out of ten. But I think what what really ended up happening in this game is a lot of the stuff that we talked about on Friday. The the secondary of the Bengals or the oh, the Bengals oh gosh of the Bucks was just out of touch. They really couldn't get things stopped um, by the linebackers or the front seven. They gave Matthew Stafford time and he's able to launch it downfield to Cooper Cup. Um, and the likes down the field deep, and those were able to get some touchdowns out of that. Uh, at other times, OBJ was able to get past the linebackers and weave through the secondary and get first downs and get completions. Um, and then they just kept doing that over and over and over and over again, which then opened up a little bit of a run game for him. Now, obviously, the run game was probably the weak point if you're the Rams offensively because they ended up having a couple of fumbles. Uh, in this game, which gave the Bucks an opportunity to come back. But I really do think that the Rams had an opportunity to make this a lot bigger of a win because uh, let's start with the offense. Like we're mentioning here, because I want to make sure it's not hard to follow here. But, I mean, the, the Rams 
like I mentioned, did a really good job of making the, the secondary of the of the Bucks uncomfortable and letting their playmakers have a chance to absolutely destroy this hurt, banged up chemistry is not really the same secondary uh and we saw that multiple times with this miscommunication which led to the cooper cup touchdown or obj um finding a way to kind of expose these these this uh these cornerbacks and get first downs and bob and weave his way through the secondary van jefferson got involved they did a really good job of spreading the ball around to all their playmakers letting them have opportunities the t- uh, there's a tight end that caught it. i didn't even know i didn't even know he was on the team for, a, for um until then but he got a nice little touchdown after pretending to block so it just really the way they had success in this game was just really just take advantage of the secondary. Now, obviously, Matthew Stafford had his own fair struggles um, where there was uh, guys all over him and getting some sacks and rushing him a little bit. But for I think the the because they were to um, go against and do a lot of positive against this Bucks team, uh, team, they're able to kind of win this football game. But defensively, there's also a lot to be said to the fact that they were able to rush uh, Tom Brady, which is something else we talked about with the fact that this offensive line does not seem at the point or ready enough to be able to hold off this, these, these, um, these front, this front seven of the Rams. And they got to Tom Brady. They got him to fumble. They sacked him multiple times. They got him to rush. They influenced a couple of throws. Um, they got multiple pass breakups, uh, through hits. Um, they, they were, did a good job of keeping Mike Evans relatively in check. Although then that, that touchdown pass, uh, by Tom Brady, which was really good as they kind of started to move. They did a decent job of keeping Fournette in check at um, in a lot of different pockets. Yes, there's a couple pockets where Fournette was able to score a couple touchdowns that were very key touchdowns, may I add, but did a good job of keeping things relatively in check and making sure nothing could really get started. The only complaint that I have um, for this Rams team, obviously, is they weren't able to put the pedal to the metal of the full game, and yes, they let Tom Brady come back a little bit, but I mean, that's expected because when Tom Brady is in the zone, he's in the zone, and it's kind of hard to stop. But also, I don't know why Jalen Ramsey was playing five yards off Mike Evans because that's also how these drives started is Mike Evans was getting the ball consistently because there was so much space between him and Ramsey, and I don't really don't understand that strategy because it just leaves opportunities for Mike Evans to get a, a head start or get these short passes, which Tampa could have used against them a little bit more often, which I think they should have. So that was probably my only complaint uh, defensively for the Rams. But for the Bucks, I think you're gonna kind of just put it into one big bucket. They were not the same Buccaneers of last season. Um, we talked about it on Friday. I said the Bucks don't the secondary of the Bucks or the defense of the Bucks is worse than it was last season. I think that really spoke volumes to what happened in this game, where they just did not look right. They did not look like the same team that we saw last season, and that really that really happened in the form that they ended up losing the Super or losing the uh, divisional round and not even making it to the Super Bowl. Yes, they got a couple turnovers, and you can point to some of the good that they had, but offensive and defensively, it just it was not pretty performance for them. A lot of you guys already saw that. Um, I don't want to spend too much time breaking down the Bucks part of it because we're mostly be focusing on the 49ers uh, and the Rams. But I just think there was so much uh, more that the Bucks could have done and really should have done in this game, but were just shut down and kept quiet. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they did not put um, Tristan Wirfs in uh, because he was injured, which was probably the smarter play just to make sure he's healthy for the long haul. But it also ended up hurting them because that side of the line and the other side of the line were just not. They just caved, just caved over and over and over and over again. Uh, some really dumb penalties, which I don't like to talk about the penalties. I don't want to get into all of that. But there were some penalties that were not the best. Uh, let's leave it at that. 
Um, so then let's bounce into the crap. Uh, 49ers uh, Packers game. That game was awful. I mean, on both teams, both teams really, uh, the 49ers tried some things that we talked about on the podcast that would work, but really could not get him to execute because it's 13 degrees and feels like zero. So you, your hands don't work properly in that, in that degree weather. So they had some really big drops that could have helped them win the game and at least keep it close for, um, to not make it come down to the final few minutes. They missed some key drops, uh, Garoppolo was on the ground a lot because <laughs> the, the the offensive line was probably freezing cold and really could not protect him for very long. And also, you're playing the Packers, and they did a good job of of stopping the run game pretty decently for most of the game uh, until the, kind of the tail end of it, where the the uh, the 49ers were able to get things ha- to happen a little bit more, uh, which was a very big positive. But I think if you look at this game, I don't know if there's a whole lot you can point to uh, in the Green Bay Packers 49ers game. That would be like, oh, okay, so this is how things are going to translate into this Rams game. It was freezing outside. Uh, these players are not going to have to deal with those team conditions in L.A. Completely different atmosphere. Uh, you're playing a team with a really good uh, front seven, but then also really bad special teams, which kind of led you kind of let let you kind of come back into the game after a block punt that turned into a touchdown for you. Um, and the fact that the the Packers did a bad job of spreading the football around. There's a lot of negative in that game. And I want to focus mostly on the, the matchup because I think there's not as many nuggets of, of uh, things to look at in this game. Um, I think those are kind of the high points of it. If you watch the game, you'll notice what I'm talking about. It was very sloppy. Uh, but it was really a shocker that, that, um, that Aaron Rodgers and that team ended up losing. And there's always that controversy of, Will he retire after the season? Is he going to be going somewhere else? And there's obviously that same situation uh, with Tom Brady, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But in the matchup between the Rams and the 49ers, a repeat of the matchup that let the 49ers get into the playoffs in the first place. So that's just incredible that this is the type of matchup that we're getting. By far, the better of the two matchups that we will be having Probably the closer of the two matchups that we will be having on Sunday, which I'm very excited to happen because these, just because the division round was so great, each round's getting better and better. So I'm expecting the Super Bowl to be a complete defensive battle where there's basically no points on the board and it's just a complete battle because that's really where we're trending towards anyway. But um, in this game, I think the 49ers need to do exactly what they've been doing for the last three or four games. These quick passes get the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands ease up on a little offensive line a little bit, let things happen and let things go quickly because that opens up the run game. That's the type of offense that the Packers or the, that the 49ers have really been showing. It's just quick passes, quick passes, quick passes, which is going to ease some pressure off of Garoppolo and off his thumb and his shoulder. Um, and then also the run game is just going to uh, be affected by that in a positive way because then they can get it to Debo uh, and Elijah, Elijah Mitchell, uh, and these guys can make big plays because they're wearing down the secondary, which then they're expecting pass, which they might put a couple safeties up, which then could definitely allow um, the, this Rams team or this uh, 49ers team to be able to use the run game efficiently and effectively, and they need to be doing that because that would prohibit – the the Rams pass rush for, to getting Jimmy Garoppolo because the ball is coming out of his hands fast enough that they don't have time to influence the pass play. That's something they did not do against Green Bay is they did not get the ball out of Jimmy Garoppolo's hands fast enough. And I think that has to do with the cold a little bit. Obviously, there's different variables and different factors in this game, but get the ball out of his hands quickly. Do not let Von Miller and Aaron Donald 
get into your backfield and sack your quarterback and do not let yourself get into a deep hole like 17 points again. Let things happen and let things happen quickly. Offensively for the Rams, I mean, you're going to have to play, I mean, just absolute perfect football. No turnovers for Matthew Stafford. Do not force things that do not need to be forced. Uh, Last week, we did not see that because they had a big lead and they kept that lead for basically the entire game. Yes, they had to come back and he had to make a couple good decisions with the football. He did that. He found the open guy. I think he's maturing and he's growing as a quarterback. So I think that's also very positive. But this defense of this 49ers, like the Rams are, they're both super good and they're both very powerful defenses that can get into your backfield early and often. So they've just got to get, like, I think they both have pretty much the same game plan. Get the ball out of your quarterback's hands immediately. Just dump it off because if Boza or Aaron Donald or Von Miller or Fred Warner gets into your backfield and starts wrecking havoc back there, it's going to be a long day. So it's really going to come down to whoever establishes the most prominent run run to, um running game and gets the ball out of the quarterback fast hand fast enough that they don't get, let that kind of cause issues because when you know what happens when the, when uh when the quarterback gets sacked a bunch he starts making bad decisions and bad decisions lead to turnovers and turnovers lead to loss of games and strain on the defense which makes the defense tired which makes them prohibited from being doing their job tons of things are going to rely on offense and how they play uh for the, for the 49ers defensively lock down Cooper Cup Make sure he can't do anything. Now, granted, they have still have Tyler Higby, OBJ, Van Jefferson, so they'll be fine even if Cooper Cup's not going to be 100% at that point. But um, I think one of the things that they're going to have to be doing is they've got to make sure they lock down all those guys perfectly. Nothing over the top. Make sure everything's in front of you and you can corral them in because this team is talented enough to kind of keep teams in check. So if they can do that, they're going to have success. Uh, and then for the, for, uh, for the Rams, just... They've, the Rams really need to focus on a couple guys. Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel, Ayuk, and Elijah Mitchell. So look after those four guys. One's a quarterback, so those three guys, and most of those guys are running backs. So if you can do a good job and you guys can keep those guys in check and make sure they're not establishing a strong run game and a good pressure up front and the front seven guys are doing their job, then they're going to be forced to get into the passing game. And I believe that the, 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 uh, the, the wide receiver or the cornerbacks for the Rams can do a good enough job to lock them in. But like I mentioned, I think this game is going to be the better of the two, and it's going to be really, really close. So I think it's going to be end up being a. Uh, I think it's going to be a three point Rams victory. I think it's going to be a Rams, uh, Rams Chiefs Super Bowl, uh, to, and I think that's going to be a really exciting Super Bowl. Uh, but yeah, like I mentioned, I think three points for the Rams seems safe enough, and I think it's going to be. I think it's going to uh, really be that close of a game. Yeah. Uh, so we're looking at so so you're predicting the. Uh, Rams and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. Yes. All right. Looking forward to both those games. Those are going to be really good games. That was a ton of in-depth analysis. Let's cover some more topics that have been bouncing around um, in the NFL, some news. Um, and we talked about, or you talked about uh, Tom Brady um, and their loss. What do you think after that game and this season's over for them, obviously, what do you think him and also Gronkowski, are they going to be making moves going back to retirement? What do you think? Because there's been some news bouncing around about that. Yeah, I think what I think is I think Gronkowski has a higher chance of retirement than um, Mr. Tom Brady does because I think Gronkowski does nothing else to prove. Um, I think he's just ready to be done with the game of football. Uh, he obviously retired because of injuries, and he doesn't like getting banged up so much. He just broke a bunch of ribs uh, against the Rams, not this playoff game, but before in the season i think it's really at the point where he's just thinking i want to be done with 
the NFL at this point. I want to move on to other things, which is perfectly reasonable. I mean, he's had a great career for himself. I really don't think there's much left to leave on the table unless he wants one more Super Bowl ring. With, uh, but I just don't think there's really much left for him to chase. But Tom Brady, I think he's going to be angry uh, about the fact that he just got eliminated um, at, a, at a playoff contention in the second round when he could have very well beat this team. Um, if his defense had been a little bit tighter and if things just fixed up a little bit more. And I think he's going to have that fire of, I want to win another Super Bowl. Um, And I just think based off his comments and the things that he says of, we'll see, take it day by day, all that stuff, uh, and saying he wants to play into 2022 uh, a little while ago, I think there's some more variables to weigh with Tom Brady. And obviously we'll know more uh, in the future as things kind of tick along after the Super Bowl. We'll hear a little bit more information. I imagine things will open up then. We'll hear some leaked information. All that will be posted on MiaSports.com so you can follow all that news as well as it comes available. But I think it's just one of those things that uh, Tom Brady, I believe, will be back next season. I think he'll want to be involved with some roster decisions, make sure he gets the team that he wants to finish out with. I believe if he does come back next season, I believe most more than likely, even if he wins the Super Bowl, 100%, he'll retire after that season if he wins the Super Bowl. But even if he doesn't, I think there's a high probability, a high percent chance that he says, okay, I think that's it for me. I think I've played my last, my last game because it's clear that he still has stuff in the tank. There's still stuff left well, yeah, he just for him to one play. One of his better seasons of his career. So Yeah, and so he said he will, he'll retire when he feels like he can't help his teammates anymore out. And so I think he has at least one more season of, yes, I can help my teammates out, and yes, I think I can make plays, and I can still play at a high enough and elite enough level. Uh, so I think, I think he'll be back um, to the team for at least one more season. But no matter what the result is after that, I think he'll probably be like, okay, it's time to focus on uh, on my family and to get out of the NFL at this point. And maybe we can even see him in the in the broadcast booth or something like that because there's not a network in the entire uh, – <laughs> anywhere that would be like, no, I don't want Tom Brady. Yeah. He'll be back <laughs> somewhere in some capacity or another. But, yeah, I think I think, I think think he'll be back. I think he'll want to just try one more, one more chance at it and see what he can do. Yeah, I agree. He's a competitor at the highest level, and he kind of has had that fire to keep competing for a while. So I think we'll probably see him again in 2022 at least. What do you think of Sean Payton's chances at coaching another season with the Saints? Uh, I saw that the report said that even if he does retire, won't be for like long. I think he might just take a year off, something like that. There's a lot of questions still remaining in this report. It's very early stages of a report. He, he's just kind of taking some time away from football. Obviously, he's not playing anymore. He doesn't need to coach or anything. So it's not the draft yet. So he has plenty of time to just kind of hang out with family and just enjoy what life has to offer uh, outside of football. But do I think he, he'll retire after this season? I don't know. But what I think might happen is this might be just a ploy to get out of, out of um, New Orleans because I don't think he wants the headache of that team right now, especially with the type of rebuild that we're looking at with the Saints of what type of quarterback do we have? What type of wide receiver core do we have? What type of defense do we have? There's a lot of things that are left to be answered for this Saints team, and he might be like, okay, I don't want to deal with that. Maybe I'll just retire for a season and see what type of candidate open, uh, what type of opportunities open up next season. Um, and, and obviously, he's in a weird situation because if he did want to move teams, he's not an NFL player where they can just trade him to a different team, trade coach trading. That would be kind of weird. But maybe he w- waits a season <clears throat> and sees if a team like Seattle moves on from Pete Carroll or Arizona moves on uh, from Cliff or uh, one of those opportunities open up or present themselves. We'll know more in the future, but I think 
maybe he just, I would say maybe he just wants to move on from the Saints. I mean, obviously he's had a year without Drew Brees and he's seen what that has to entail. Uh, I have to imagine that he doesn't want the type of pressure that goes along with rebuilding the Saints franchise. I mean, he's supported this team for a very long time and got him into a good situation. So even if he retired, I don't think that's that big a deal. But I think we'll know, like I mentioned, I think we'll know more soon. But <clears throat> I saw like NBC wanted to hire him as an analyst. Uh, so maybe you could see him go with that route, which would be an interesting route for him to take. Not an unusual route, but an interesting route for him to take. Maybe do a year in that and then see if he wants to come back to the NFL. All all our options. But we'll see exactly how, what things look like. Um, like I mentioned, probably more after the season's over. Uh, maybe he'll retire and try to take one of these uh, opening head coaching spots. Maybe he'll retire for good. Maybe he'll retire for a season and come back. Plenty of options, plenty to look at there. A lot of retirement stories are circling right now, like Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. Tom Brady, Sean Payton. It's like, wow, a lot of them. But I think, yeah, there's, there's still some there's still some questions, but the media is always going to dissect it to the highest level. I personally like to wait till the story comes out in more detail because then we need to understand it better. We can give a better analysis on it. But if I had to guess, um, I would say he probably, uh, probably if he does retire, will probably retire for one season. But more than likely, he'll be back for the Saints next season. Yeah, but I guess like you said, a lot of people retiring and kind of thinking about retirement. A lot of older players thinking about where they're going to be moving next. So, we were talking about this. Do you think the NFL is turning more to this like next gen player? You know, like we've got a lot of younger quarterbacks that have come up. They're kind of changing the way the quarterback plays. A lot more mobility, and you see Mahomes doing all kinds of weird trick plays and things where they're changing the way they're throwing the ball and things like that. So do you think we're seeing kind of an evolution in players as they're coming out of college and kind of affecting the game and changing what it is? I think there's like two kind of two heads to this. I think one is I think a lot of teams are moving to younger players, the next kind of like rivalries, if you know what I mean, like Kansas City, Buffalo, that's a new rivalry that's kind of kind of coming into its own. I think the Rams are going to have to figure out which rivalry they're going to be kind of sticking with. Maybe it's a 49ers-Ram rivalry with these types of younger quarterbacks or middle-of-the-road season vet quarterbacks that we're kind of seeing in the league right now. Um, so I think I think right now we're seeing a, a mix-up uh, of things happening where a lot of older coaches, a lot of older players are now leaving the league, and we're seeing rebuilds happen with younger middle-of-the-road veteran players coming into all these teams and pretty soon the only teams that really have any veteran guys is like Seattle with their head coach Andy Reid uh Bruce Arians with that's Bruce Arians a little bit more than just the the head coach but like that's pretty much where the list starts and ends right there those three guys pretty much maybe there's a guy I'm forgetting or blanking on right now but that's pretty much where the list starts and ends and those guys seem like they will I think Pete Carroll will be out the door before any of those guys will but those guys are kind of starting to cycle out and these younger guys are starting to come in. So pretty soon we'll see a young next kind of generation uh, of, of what we're going to be seeing in the NFL. And like you mentioned, I believe there's this other head to this, which is the head of the things that are about to happen where like with that sweep of next generation people, we're going to see a sweep of next generation talent and ability and the way they play the game of football. So I think there's um, there's something to be said about that. And I think, like you mentioned, Patrick Mahomes is kind of changing the way people look at the football league and how they do different pass plays. 
by the way he plays and Josh Allen's kind of starting its own breed of quarterback which is like a running back quarterback and Matthew Stafford's at take coming into his own and showing that guys from teams that were bad don't necessarily mean that the quarterback's bad so there's I think everything is just like in front of our eyes it's starting a new a new sphere a new like a new chapter let's call it a chapter and I don't think it's giving getting enough attention that the fact that these guys are contemplating retirement Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Sean Payton. Coaches are changing out now twice. Coaches are gone and younger ones are coming in. Um, and I believe in the next three to five years, older coaches will all be gone and it'll be a younger generation. But I also believe we talked about this. The Lions, I believe, are just a couple years out from being really good. I believe the Steelers are close to that as well. I believe that the Jaguars, are, if they can get a good head coach, could also be at the precipice of something awesome as well. And so I think there needs to be more attention to the by the media and less dissecting of what these guys are saying and more of what does this imply and what this is implying is these guys are stepping down and the next generation of players are rising up and we're about to see for for the next generation of people what we're going to start getting is new rivalries that people that are that are younger never got to experience like the 49ers Cowboys rivalry um when Troy Aikman was still playing. So that that um, generation, this generation missed those type of rivalries, but we're about to get new ones that will start a new chapter. So I think that this needs to generate more buzz of this next chapter, as opposed to these guys are retiring. What are they saying? Is this more in this? Is he going to be traded to a different team? All that stuff. We need to be focused on the fact that in the next three to five years, the NFL is going to look completely different and the landscape is going to look completely different. And teams that are crappy are going to turn good. And some teams that are good maybe turn crappy because of the change. But that's just how things are going to work. And we're going to see a new leaf turn in. And I think that's exactly why we, we have Cincinnati in the, in the, in the uh, conference championship and why we, have, um, why we have the 49ers there again for the second time in three years and why we have the Rams there. And they're, they're kind, of, kind of coming into their own a little bit. So we're starting to see something change here. And I think it's the next. It's time to kind of look at it and say to ourselves, "Welcome to the next generation. Welcome to the next chapter of NFL football." Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see, like you said, how that unfolds and what the new rivalries are. And Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, it's kind of coming to a new rivalry. I think we're going to be hearing more about that um, in this next season coming up. Uh, you mentioned the Seahawks. Some of the with one of the remaining uh, veteran coaches. Um, there's been some events kind of in their division that are maybe opening things up for them to have uh, a playoff run in 2022. It's kind of a ways out, but we were kind of talking about like those events maybe opening something up for them. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think definitely because their division seems like it's getting easier. Think about the fact if Green Bay loses Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, is Green Bay going to be the same team? Right. Tom Brady leaves with the Bucks. They're NFC. That opens things up for him. Minnesota getting a new head coach opens things up for him. Uh, Sean Payton leaves the 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 uh, the Saints opens things up for him. And now you 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 look up and you're saying to yourself, we have Russell Wilson. We have a defense that's kind of coming into their own a little bit and start to kind of figure things out. You have Pete Carroll that's been here for a little while, and you're saying to yourself, hey, the door is open. Really, all you have to defend with is the Rams, the 49ers. Uh, the teams that you really had to be focused on uh, to really worry about getting into the Super Bowl. Maybe you, if you win enough games, you can get into the playoffs next season, and then you have to work through a if it, if this everything comes out to pass as it seems it will, a much easier NFC division. 
And then we look up and we say, wait, the NFC is not the strong house division anymore or conference anymore. Maybe it's now the AFC with the Bills and the Browns and the, uh, and the, and the Chiefs. Uh, those teams are kind of coming into their own a little bit. And, and maybe some of these other teams that aren't very good are maybe coming to their own a little bit next season as well as the coaching ch- staffs change and players co- come into their own and the draft happens and free agency happens. A lot of excitement is going to be happening around what's going to happen next. And I think that touches back into the next chapter stuff that we were just talking about a second ago. All of this is turning into a really fun time to be a fan, a really fun time to be an analyst or a uh, um, an NFL reporter uh, or sports reporter. The things are happening that that are going to be really exciting to watch and watch it unfold. And I think it's kind of flying under the radar um, because most people are just kind of caught up on the retirement of of Tom Brady, the possible retirement of Tom Brady, and these players. But we have like, I mean, it would just be kind of obvious that it just would be like, it would be Drew Brees first, probably Aaron Rodgers second, Tom Brady third. And by that time, most of the veteran guys, uh, as far as the quarterback's positions are gone. Uh, and it's just the wave of next talent coming in. Um, and so I think that might be one of the, and I think that's one of the smartest moves by the Rams that they did is they didn't get caught on what they have. They looked at what could be. And that's what one of the things that they did with getting OBJ into their lineup. Uh, and making Van Jefferson come into his own a little bit more. If you look at the Packers, the Packers had an opportunity to sign OBJ, but they gave him a minimum contract offer so they can get uh, Devontae Adams signed, who Devontae Adams doesn't even want a contract because he'd be gone next season. So they blew that opportunity. You have to wonder if they had OBJ, would would the Bucks be in, this, uh, in the uh, conference championship right now? Would the Packers have won their football game? Would the Rams even be in conversation right now? There were so many, like, he could have changed so much. The landscape could look completely different. But I feel like a lot of these teams are just caught in their own spot right now where they're not willing to kind of look at getting other options. Um, and so I think that's another thing where I, that's what I mentioned of, like, the uh, the middle-of-the-road season vets. They need to be looked at as viable options, as pieces that you need. Because OBJ has made a big splash. Von Miller's made a big splash for this Rams team. And yes, they lost most of their uh, draft choices. But what they got instead is a possible Super Bowl in their home stadium with them being able to be in it possibly. And I think, like I mentioned, my picks would predict that they would be in it. So little picks like that should not be overrated. And with the way things are happening, they need to be careful. Um, and I, I, I think, I think this, I think this is one, uh, one of the most uh, interesting times that is kind of flying under the radar. But if Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady retires, the this idea will be talked about on a lot more stations and different networks and stuff because it's just how it works. But uh, you heard it here first. Yes, a lot of very interesting guff, uh, stuff going on, and like you said, a very exciting time for fans everywhere. The fandom is. Uh, it's, it's really cooking up, and we're going to probably see a really very interesting Super Bowl, and these next two matchups are going to be really great. Um, and we'll be talking about those more in the coming episodes, and obviously everybody will be watching that and getting ready for the Super Bowl. So that wraps up this episode of the MEO Sports Podcast. Thank you for hopping on. A yep. bunch of great analysis. That was fun. Yep, and we will talk to you on Wednesday. See you. See you. God bless.